0: Good morning, FBC. My name is Seth Webb, and I am so thankful you decided to join us for worship today. If you are a guest, we are so glad you are here. On the back of your pew, in front of you, there is a blue card. If you could write down some basic information so we can thank you for coming, that would be great. On the card, there is a spot for prayer requests. Anyone can write a request on there, and when the offering plate passes here in a bit, drop those cards in there, and they will get to staff. For now, I'm going to share some announcements about what is going on in the life of our church so you can know how to be involved. Our annual Christmas program, called Noel, the Divine Mystery, will be on December 8th at 6 p.m. Our music ministry will be leading us in a time of worship centered around Christ's birth and the work he did on the cross. Following the program, we will be having a fellowship time. If you can please bring your favorite finger food dish, and come ready to eat some great food. Make sure and invite your friends and neighbors to this great night of worship and fellowship. Second, our backpack ministry that is going on in our church is a great opportunity to minister to the kids of Parkview Elementary School. We as a church collect items for their backpacks and they are distributed at the school. Throughout the month of November, we will provide snacks for these backpacks We are in need of 340 snacks a week. That's a lot of snacks. If you would like to donate snacks, check the Chronicles for information on how to do that. (laughs) Lastly, I would like to remind you of our Pray, Give, Go emphasis for this month. We are highlighting Operation Christmas Child. OCC provides Christmas gifts for children in need around the world and presents the gospel to them. This is a great ministry that FBC Cookville has been a part of for a long time. For information on what to put in shoeboxes and ways to serve, check Sunday's Chronicles. Those are the announcements we have this week. Make sure you look at the Chronicles for other opportunities. I am so thankful to be worshiping with you today. I pray this service would encourage you and challenge you to live more for Christ in your day-to-day life. Have a great day, guys.
1: Good morning again. So glad that you're here worshiping today the Lord Jesus Christ and pray that you'll engage in every aspect of worship today. And a couple of announcements that Seth didn't make. uh, This coming Wednesday is our Thanksgiving meal. Reservations were due last week, so. uh, That's full right now, but at 6.30 in the sanctuary, the children will be presenting some Thanksgiving uh, harvest time music and a time of worship. So we invite you all ages to that on Wednesday. Also, let me reiterate about the blue cards. If you're a guest, please take one of those cards, fill it out, and then when the uh, offering plate comes through later in the worship service, just drop that in. Or better yet, you can take it and uh, take it to Pastor Scott after the service. And uh, if you're a first-time guest, he has a special gift for you. Also, I want to remind the college students we feed you each Sunday, and uh, but this Sunday the deacons are doing a, a chili cook-off, and so you'll be judging who has the best pot of chili, and then enjoying that. There will be some other things there if you're not a chili eater, like maybe a hot dog or something. But anyway, it'll be a great time of fellowship and um, a. a need opportunity after the service in the fellowship hall again at this time if you would stand greet those around you especially look for somebody you don't know introduce yourself to them thank you
2: As we sing this next song, we're singing about how great the Lord is. And there's a purpose for that because today we're talking about worship and what it means as a congregation, all of us to gather here and worship. And so the purpose we gather is because of Christ and because of his death on the cross for us as believers. And so as we sing this next song, we realize that Christ is the breath in our lungs. He's the reason that we're able to do anything. So I pray that we would consider that this morning. for this day. God, I thank you that you're great, that we get to worship you here this morning. God, we're not worthy of that. God, the reason we gather is to sing praises to you. Lord, I pray that as we continue in worship, that you would continue to reveal in our hearts more of you. God, that we would worship you for who you are. Lord, I pray as we sing in Christ alone, that you would help us realize that it, it is only in Christ that we have anything, God. And He is our everything. So God, I pray that as we continue to worship. In your name I pray. Amen. in your power that we stand. And it's not anything that we do, Father, but it's only we get to experience the life that Christ lived on this earth because of his death and his resurrection, Father. God, we thank you for that? I pray that we truly mean what we sing this morning. God, you love us and we are thankful for you. We're thankful for your love that you poured out on us, Father. So, God, as we continue to worship this morning, as we hear Scott's sermon. God, I pray that you would speak through him and that we would have hearts to hear you. God, that you would mold us into who you want us to be. God, I pray these things in your name. Amen. You guys can be seated.
0: Joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the heights
1: of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed
0: the dry
3: land. Good morning, church. Turn with me to Psalm 95. That'll be our text for today. We've been walking through for the past uh, couple months now how to engage in a personal, intimate relationship with God and how to know Him better. So the title of this series has been Knowing God and, and how we can intimately be engaged in a personal walk with Him. And the ways we know Him better and better. And, and we for the last <clears throat> last week and this week and even in the next week, we're going to talk about worship. Last week we talked about personal worship. This week we're talking about congregational worship. And next week we're going to talk about the worship that we'll experience when we go to heaven. That future worship of uh, what we'll see. I, I promise you I could spend a whole series just on the one topic we're going to talk about this morning. There, there's going to be so much left undone unless we just agree now to stay through lunch. Is that good with y'all? Uh, we, we can stay and just dive into this text and, and really spend a good amount of time. I, I believe there's so many uh, opinions and, and positions on worship. And, and a lot of times the positions are based on what songs we sing. And, and, and we think of worship in the, the direct correlation of a song. And, and let me just say, worship is music, can be music, but it's not only music. That is not the only way we worship God. There are so many ways we worship God. So, so singing is just one aspect of it. And, and this morning I want to dive into more aspects of worship and what true worship is Before God, He calls us to worship and, and we gather together regularly and, and our, our sole purpose, our, our sole purpose should be in our gathering for the worship of our Savior. So we, we focus on ways we can worship. We, we think about what worship is and intentionally this morning as, as we've gathered here, we've, we've had worship in multiple ways and, and we'll have worship in more ways before we leave. So we, we first engaged with a, a video and it told you a few things that were going on in the church. It's it's good to give praise to God what's going on. So we, we worship God for the things that's going on at First Baptist and around this world. We also uh, got up and, and greeted everybody and, and fellowship and, and I worship God in the time of fellowship that, that God's brought us all together. And there are people from all walks of life that have gathered in this place this morning and, and that's worshipful to God that we have gathered in his presence. And, and we sang songs, and, and truly that is, that is worship. We can yield our hearts to God as we sing Scripture and sing praises to Him, and, and we can worship Him through that. But we're going to worship Him, and we have through the, the hearing of His Word, but the reading of His Word, through the proclamation of His Word, we'll worship God. And then there will be a time of invitation. As long as God calls me to pastor His church, I'll I'll give a time for an invitation so that you can respond. Because it is worship when we respond to God and the call God has on our life. Not only that, we'll we'll have a time of worship where we can return to God sacrificially. He has blessed us in so many ways. And we get a chance to participate in in, in a kingdom ministry of, of making the gospel known to the ends of the earth. Through our tithes and offerings and, and gathering together to do things that we couldn't do alone, but collectively we can do. And even with the greater church, we can do more for the glory of God. So we'll do that through sacrificial giving of our tithes and offerings. And, and then we'll say, well, is that all the worship we're going to do here today? Well, no, no, we'll, we'll actually leave this place and we'll go into the highways and the hedges of this world and we'll move into Cookville, Tennessee. And we'll do what the choir just talked about, about carrying the gospel message to the ends of this earth. And, and we get to do that in a form of worship because it is worship unto God when we carry forth the king's business and, and the knowledge of who he is and the truth of Scripture. So we get to do that. So it's continual worship. And, and I pray that as we, we gather this morning and we walk through these, these ways of worship that we keep within our hearts, Psalm 19:14. let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart Be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my God, my rock. And my redeemer. He He is He is our rock. He is our redeemer. He's our savior. And, and we want the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart to be acceptable. Because when our when our words are right and when our when our head is right, we are focused on God and it is worship towards Him. So this morning I, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk through a couple of passages. And and the first one's gonna be Psalm ninety five. That'll be our kind of we'll bounce back and forth to that this morning. But I want to share with you three statements. That as I've studied over the last couple of months, and and really over my my life as a Christian in worship, but they've they've really evolved in the last couple of months. Three things that God's given me, three statements that God's given me to give to you this morning about congregational worship, when we come together collectively as the body of Christ. And and those three things are this. Uh, Congregational worship is not a style. It's a lifestyle. And congregational worship is not initiated by us, but by God. And congregational worship is not for entertainment, but for engagement. And those three things will be the the emphasis of what we'll talk about this morning. And and we'll use the text as as God walks us through that text in our hearts to understand how these things are true for me and true for you. So if you will stand with me, and I want to read Psalm 95, and uh, we'll do that together. God's Word says in verse 1, Psalm 95... O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods, in whose hands are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are His also. The sea is His, for it it was He who made it. And His hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation, and I said they are a people who err in their heart, and they do not know my ways. Therefore I swore in my anger, truly they shall not enter my rest. Father, we love you, and we're so grateful, God, for your word. Thank you, Father. We get to gather in this place this morning and and hear your word. And, Lord, uh, contemplate, uh, based on Scripture, And and what you would speak into our hearts this morning, what worship truly is. So, God, move in us. I pray, God, that we are touched, transformed by you and your word this morning. I understand, God, you've appointed this time for us. I pray you'd anoint me, Father, to preach your word to your people whom you love. and Let it resonate in our hearts and do the work that you desire it to do. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said... Amen. So the first thing we want to talk about is congregational worship is not a style, but it's a lifestyle. I think a lot of times uh, many people come to the table thinking about worship, and, and they have this preconceived notion that, that in order for it to be worshiped before God, it must be this way they 've got this understand that this is worship and and this is the way it has to be and if it 's not that way, then then it, it must be wrong it's, it's not it 's not worship it 's not i 've been to restaurants and, and i 've sat in 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 booths and, and i 've heard people around me talking. And, and I've never, and so far, I have yet to hear somebody say, man, let me tell you, the preacher was off today. I mean, his message was so far in left field. I've never heard anybody say that. I've never heard anybody say, man, let me, did y'all get what the preacher said on point two? That, when he, when he said that, did that, that resonated with me. Did y'all get, I've never heard that, but I've heard people say this, boy, the worship just wasn't no good this morning. It didn't touch me. It didn't hit where I was. Did it, was it, did you like it? Did you really enjoy that song we sang, that third song? Man, I, I'd never heard that song before. Y'all all all right? (laughs) Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? Okay. I'm going to get some responses from my RAs. They're on the front row over here, so they're going to talk with me this morning. But but in in reality, God desires us. He desires us to engage with Him in worship. But, But it's not about a style. It's about a lifestyle. It's not about... It's not about me coming in and, and, and being a part of something that, that is, it is particularly of interest to me. It's about God. And, and what God wants in me is not for me to sing that song or sing those words, but God wants me to yield my heart to Him. And He wants you to yield your heart to Him. So, so we see that, that when, when this psalmist starts out, he says, Come, let us. And he says that six times in that text. So it's a it's a congregational effect. It's that we come together, what recognizing that we should shout joyfully to the Lord. We we should we recognize that He He holds the mountain peaks in His hands. He holds the valleys in His hands. He created the sea and everything that's in it. It is all about God. Let us shout joyfully to Him. Let us. Sing praise to Him. Let us be thankful to Him. And it says then, let us kneel before Him. Let us come to God, recognizing that He is worthy of worship and praise. So, you you see that continual us in Psalm 95. So, there is a corporate congregational aspect there. But from high church to low church and every church in between... Uh, God is not looking for a particular style of music, a certain song that we would sing. He, he's looking for a heart that is yielded to Him. When we leave, or, or when we have uh, been with God personally, when when we leave here, it's really important that we understand what corporate worship looks like, but also what personal worship looks like, because when, when we come before God, personal worship really matters. Our Our time in personal worship, will impact our time in corporate worship. I, I spoke on personal worship last week because I wanted us to grasp the understanding that God is a God worthy of worship and praise every day, that, that my heart should be attuned to Him, and I should seek to worship my Lord and Savior every day. So um, when, when we come together, it makes a difference how, how we have worshiped. You know, I've been around fire before, I bet you have too, and one log put on a fire can warm an individual and it can produce a flame, but buddy, when you put a bunch of logs on there, it can really warm a group of people. And, and, and in the same way, if one of us comes in here this morning and, and, and we've been in the presence of the Holy Spirit and, and we've worshiped God in, in during the week and we've prepared our hearts for worship, there's a log on the fire. But when we all come together and our, our whole personal life has led us to the point where we're ready to worship God here, then what a blaze we can set. In this place, and, and and it matters. It matters that how you come to worship. It matters how I come to worship. If our hearts are not prepared for worship, then we can actually hinder worship within the whole church. I, I will forever remember. Many years ago, when I first got saved, I don't remember what year it was. I don't remember what time of year it was. I, I'm not really even sure. I remember where it was. And you can say, "Well, that's ridiculous, Scott." Y'all remember that? But I I went to. An event called Promise Keepers. And when I first got saved, Promise Keepers is a parachurch organization. It's a big organization that was moving around the country. And and I went, I, I went to a meeting with a group of men that were from my church. They invited me to go and I said, yeah, I'll go. I don't have anything to do this weekend. So I went with them. And as I said, I don't remember where really. I don't remember what time of year it was. I don't remember a single speaker that stood on that stage that weekend. I don't remember a single word anybody said or a topic that was preached on. You say, "Well, that's ridiculous. You got nothing out of it." No, I got something out of it. Let me tell you what has etched itself in my heart, and has never left. I was sitting there, and and I'd been I'd walked away from a past life. I'd, I'd lived for 31 years. Apart from God and with this world and and I'd left that life, and I'd left a lot of friends behind so i'm I'm just honest with you, I felt pretty alone at the time when I went to this conference that day i I, I felt like maybe I mean this is new to me I, I don't know if I'm the only one that feels this way, but I was really alone in my walk with God at that moment, and I looked around that evening as we stood in the upper seats. And and we sang songs to Jesus. I looked around and I saw tens of thousands of men with their hands lifted before the Lord in heartfelt worship crying out to Jesus. And it touched this boy. It made such an impact on me. I looked around. I said, I'm not alone. I, I, there's others that are, that are passionately pursuing God. And it was a great encouragement to me to experience that, that setting of worship where those men were just high-lifted hands before Jesus and hearts yielded to Him as they say. I've never heard a choir sound as good as what I heard that evening. And it resonated with me. I came out of there. I I didn't, no, I didn't remember a speaker. No, I'm not sure that I could tell you anything I heard, but I can tell you this. I experienced men before Jesus worshiping that evening, and it made a difference in my life. It encouraged me. So worship, when we come together and, and our focus is on Jesus and, and our hearts yielded to Him, it doesn't matter what style it is. It, it's a lifestyle. And when we come to Him from, from a lifestyle that worship Him and, and we set it before the Lord on Sunday morning together, it, it can be igniting. It can be exciting. It can be explosive. It can be great. But if we come in here and it will happen, I'll do it. You'll do it. We'll all do this. We'll come to the table in some weeks. It's just been a wreck. You ever had one of those weeks, just a, I mean, just a train wreck of a week. And, and you're like, okay, I hope everybody else got tuned up because I'm not. I need to be tuned in. I need some help here. But if you come in here and you need that, and the person next to you has been involved in personal worship, and we, grad, we, we come together and, and we worship Jesus together, it can encourage and, and, and inspire you. It really can. We all have preferences, uh, and and I know that. I understand that. I've got preferences. You've got preferences. But we need to check our preferences at the door when we come to worship Jesus. Because honest to goodness, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. I I may do the math wrong. Michael, tell me. 168 hours in a week. Is that right, Mike? Yeah, 168 hours. I did that really quick, so I just want to make sure I did that right. 168 hours in a week. And, and I come to worship here, I'm here Sunday morning, I'm here Sunday night, and I'm here Wednesday night. I'm here for both services, and some of you are too. So that's about four and a half, five hours of, of worship time. And if we focus in on just the song service time, oh, that's probably about 60, 80 minutes of singing. And, and that's pretty cool. But uh, I don't think that's going to satisfy my life, first of all. And second of all, if I've got a preference different than what we sing here on Sunday morning, I've got 166 hours and 20 minutes to do it on my own how I want to. Did y'all get that? So I can come in here and I can engage with God not about me and my style but about a lifestyle live before the lord and say you're worthy jesus and i just came to worship you so come with a broken heart a yielded heart to god and worship him um, there there's absolutely no way there there's no way that I, that we could call a a person to come and lead music here that could sing your your favorite song every sunday it just it just wouldn't happen and, and if, and how selfish would it be to think that if your song is the best song and the only song and we sing it just for you? How selfish is that? Because then who's the worship centered around? Are y'all all right this morning? <laughs> this is a difficult topic. It really is, but we got far too many different styles and, 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 and it would be very selfish of us to think that that style is the only style or the right style or my favorite style and that's the style of music that we ought to listen to. I, I, I do know this. If there is a style of worship, though, that would reach the lost generation that's not in this church, I'd rather sing that than I had what sings to me in my heart. Because worship, what is worship? Let me just step aside here and say, what is true worship? I believe as I I look over the ministry that God's blessed me to be a part of and I think about what worship truly is and all the scriptures I've read and the time I've studied in the word I believe worship is truly this obedience that that it is obedience before God and what is what is what are we to be obedient to well I think it's multi-layered but I I can understand this in in uh Jesus resurrected state before his people he said this Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. So we've got Jesus commanding and commissioning us to go and make disciples. So the the true worship before God would be obedience to his command to go and make other worshipers. See, there are, there's a whole lost group of people in this world that do not have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Many are in the church, and that's great they're here. I'm glad, I'm glad lost people come to church. That is the best place for you to be. So you can hear the gospel, the good news, give your life to Jesus, and be changed and transformed, and live as a worshiper. But it's impossible to worship the God you're not saved by. So as we, we go out in the world, worship is to carry out the command of Christ and make disciples who become worshipers of Jesus. That's what true worship is. So if, if it means that, I look, I look and I really like this song, and I really like that song, and I focus now worship just on music, and that's inappropriate anyhow, but I come and say, well, I want to sing those. Well, what if we sing things that we really like, but nobody else likes? And what if what if there are opportunities within our community to reach our community With styles of music that maybe not, we're not, maybe it's not our favorite, but maybe it's what the world is singing to and it resonates in their heart. And we can put Christian lyrics to it. I just want to step off on a limb here. The Salvation Army William Booth in the 1700s, he took bar tunes because the people of the world resonated with the bar tunes. They'd been in the bars and they heard those songs and he put Christian lyrics to it. And buddy, the church was in an uproar. You mean you're going to take bar tunes and put Christian lyrics to it, and we're going to sing that on Sunday morning? Those are now in the hymnal, and they're our favorite classics, I'm just saying. So it's amazing what happens from 1700s to the 21st century. But, but in reality, it, it touched the world. And Booth was more concerned about reaching lost people than he was singing his favorite song. And he recognized that worship was a whole experience, not just a song. So he brought people to the table that could hear and could be touched and hear the gospel and the good news and be saved. So would you rather worship be pleasing to you or pleasing to God? That's a question we have to ask ourselves. It's not a style, ladies and gentlemen. It's a lifestyle. That's what it is. So congregational worship is a lifestyle, not a style, but also we, we understand that congregational worship is... Not initiated by us, but initiated by God. And, and I really want to delve into that. Because why, why did God tell me to say that? I think a lot of times we feel like we control the worship and, and we set the tone. And, and we, we actually come before Jesus trying to get his attention. And, and God is getting our attention. It's not about us getting his attention. He's initiated this. And throughout all of history we see that. I mean, what happened in the garden? We know that God came down and walked with Adam and Eve. It was God that did that. God met them. He came to them. And He engaged them. He he initiated the conversation. And then we see that Jesus, when He came to this earth, He hung on a cross. And He initiated mankind to Himself. I I want you to see a couple of uh, verses with me. In, In John chapter 12, verse 32, we see this text. Say this. It says, And I... If I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Jesus initiated people. He put himself up there on the cross and he drew mankind to himself. He, he did that. So not only that, we see that God now invites us. He invites you. He invites me. He's consistently been engaging us, initiating that, that opportunity for us to worship Him. He, he initiates that in our lives, and, and He brings us into His presence, and we celebrate what He's done in our lives. I want you to see what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16 says. says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So what, what are the scriptures telling us there? Jesus is not someone who can't sympathize with us. He's been here. He's lived in this, in this flesh. He knows. He understands. He, he was tempted and yet he did not sin, but he dealt with what we've dealt with. He's been here. Just as God came down and walked with Adam and Eve, Jesus came down and walked with us. Fully God, fully man. And he, he, he's passed through that opportunity. He did it without sin. And now we can boldly go with confidence to the king that knows us and came to us. We, we, can, we can approach the throne room of grace boldly and we can go to him. He's Because he's invited us into that throne room. Not because we're worthy of that. Not because my life is good enough and your life is good enough. But because God is good enough. He has offered us the opportunity. He has initiated the opportunity to engage us and brought us in. And and not only that, we see in Revelation chapter 3, the text tells us this in verse 20. Behold, Jesus speaking, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. See, it's not that we're knocking on heaven's door trying to get the attention of heaven, but Jesus is standing at our heart's door, knocking on our door, and he is offering us the opportunity to open that door and engage with him, and we can come in. He, can, he will come in when we open that door, and he will dine with us, and we can dine with him, but he initiates and God is initiated in our life. See, I, I just want you to grasp this. Don't, don't miss this because you say, well, no, no, Scott, I'm I pretty much initiated. I feel like I, I'm in the driver's seat. I'm a control freak. And, and, and I, I know this. I, I'm not saying I am. I'm saying I was acting like you then, okay? <laughs> but did you say, I, I've got this under control. I'm the one. And, no, you're not. I mean, because let me just explain something to you. Romans chapter 3 tells us that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. Have you ever seen a dead person initiate anything? Go to the, go to the graves. Go to the cemeteries today. No, no dead people are going to initiate anything. But Jesus raises us from death to life. He saves us, and salvation is going from death to life. He gives us new life. He breathes it into us. He gives us a new heart. He gives us a life transformed, a new life. He initiates salvation in us. And when we, we respond in that, yes, Lord, or we reject that and say, no, Lord. But it's God that initiates, not me, not you. So I'm grateful that we have a God who initiates us. In worship, and one of the most beautiful stories. If I just go cover to cover, Genesis one to Revelation twenty two, I know I know there are many places I could have landed today, but I think one of the most beautiful displays of of God explaining to us, to me and to you, about how He initiates and how how He how He reaches out to us is the prodigal son. Jesus stood before His people with a parable. And he said, "Let me just tell you about a prodigal son. This this kid." His dad was offering him this and he rejected his dad and walked away. Disrespected his dad and and, and walked off. He chose that the life which he could make for himself would be better and more pleasing to him than the life he would have with his father. So he walked away and he found himself in great need and want. And when he found himself in great need and want of the things that were just essential to life, he said, I could receive all that from my father who is a great provider. So he got himself up, gathered himself together, and he turned and went home. And as he was walking home, his father, who had been looking and longing, saw him, and he ran. He ran to him. Wow, what a beautiful picture of God running to uh, him. He initiated the the move to run. I mean, the boy had everything laid out. He had the story he was going to tell the father, but in that moment, that did not matter. The father ran to him, embraced him, and received him. And it didn't end there. The father threw a party. He celebrated. They had a celebration. Everybody likes a celebration, right? We like like a party. He threw a party. And what he did was he celebrated the son coming home. Can I tell you this? God sits in heaven longing for us to come home and worship with a surrendered heart to him. And he celebrates that. And we can celebrate what God's done in our life. I've got the opportunity to celebrate what Jesus has done in my life. Jesus saved me. Jesus, if you know him as Lord and Savior, he saved you from a horrible lifestyle, from from a lifestyle of sin. And you say, well, mine wasn't that bad. Well, it was because death is pretty bad. And eternal death is worse. And he saved you from that. So we have so much to celebrate and get excited about. And, and I'm telling you, when we when we look at what Jesus has done, that's what worship is. We we look upon Him, and I've tried so many times in this, this context to get you to think about all the things that Jesus has done in your life. I, I love just sitting, I, mean, I, I sat in a deer stand yesterday, and, and I just sat out there in the woods, and I just contemplated and thought back over the things that God had done for me. And it was worshipful for me. I didn't care if I saw an animal. That was just, that was just part of what I was there for. But I was really there to spend time with my Creator. And as I spent time with Him just thinking over all the things He'd done for me, I became so grateful. I was like, wow, God, you've changed so much in my life. There's so much yet to change. I'm not who I used to be, but I'm not who I, I'm not who I want to be either. I've got a long way to go. I want to be, I want to be the the most valued Son. I really do. I want to be the Son when He walks in the door and says, well done. my good and faithful servant. You know, I'm not going to earn my way into heaven. I'm already in. Okay, I'm already in the family. I've been adopted in the family. I'm not earning my way. You can't earn your way. You can't be good enough. I can't be good enough. But His grace is sufficient. When He saves us, we're done. We're saved. But I want my Father to be proud of me. Don't you want your Father to be proud of you? I mean, I want that. I long for that. So let's so worship it. As I, I sit and think about all that God's done, how He initiated this in my life. But, but what hinders me from worship? What what hinders us? What, what sets us back from true worship? Oh, I talked about this two weeks ago. Unconfessed sin? Oh, let's just be real. Unconfessed sin separates you and I from an intimate, personal well, God, I, I remember it. I remember doing things my dad told me not to do. And then I couldn't look him in the face. Well, I, I knew I was wrong. I knew it. And I had a hard time getting face to face with him because I was in the wrong and I don't, unconfessed sin is the same way, but in a larger degree, much different because I'm talking about the eternal God in heaven who, who can forgive me and, and save me and redeem me. And, and I don't need to be separated from Him. I need to be right with Him. But it comes to the place where we need to confess our sin. I want us to just turn to Isaiah. And I'm going to put this on the screen. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. Well, let's read 1 through 5. It says there, Catch Isaiah as he's in heaven and he's seeing. He says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. Of unclean lips. And I, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I'm telling you, folks, when you get in the presence of God, His holiness contrasts our sinfulness and we
4: are broken.
3: I, I believe many people navigate through church life and they never. Truly worship because they recognize they, they, they're either they're bound up in their lifestyle of sin and they're, they're, they don't want to confess it because they love it and they live in it or, or they're ashamed of it and they don't really know what to do with their sin. Can, can I, let's just get real right here. When you recognize your life and the things in your life that you're doing are displeasing to God, to continue in them is wrong. But to confess them is right. There, there's no confession. Folks, there's no conversion. But first, there's got to be some... There's got to be in our life... There's got to be a place in our life where there's some consequence. And there is. But, but there's, there's also... For my life and, and your life, I've got to get a little uncomfortable. And, and when I get before the King of kings and the Lord of lords... And I truly come before Him... Heart yielded and surrendered to Him... I'm going to see me for me and him for he. And when I see him in his holy and exalted state and, and king of the universe and, and, and I get the privilege to be in his presence, I'm like, woe is me. Wow. A lot of people don't ever get there. What, what we'll do is we'll develop, we'll, we'll create an atmosphere that's controllable. Now, what do you mean, Scott? What we'll do is we'll bring worship under control. Like, I can control worship when I'm singing my song, my favorite song, or I'm doing my favorite activity. As long as I can control that, I'm comfortable. And when I'm comfortable, there's, there's no room for conviction. And there's, there's no room for confession. But when I'm no longer comfortable, then there comes conviction, and I've got to make some confession. So, he, here's where I'm trying to get with you this morning. If we create a worship that we like, we may miss worshiping the Creator and coming into His presence. Isaiah just sums it up. He says it so well there. So we've we got to understand true worship before God is not initiated by us. It's initiated by God. And it's not a style, ladies and gentlemen. It's a lifestyle. Surrender to Him. And the third thing that that God's impressed on my heart to share with you is that congregational worship is not for entertainment. It's for engagement. Oh, we live in an entertainment world. There's so much that can entertain us. We've got media beyond imagination and ability to consume. And I'm telling you, I can find so many avenues to entertain me. And you can find so many avenues to entertain you. But there's one avenue I don't want to be entertained. And that's right here. I didn't come here to be entertained today. And if you came here to be entertained, I pray you'll hear me right now. This is not about entertainment. This is about engagement. I don't want to be entertained. I don't want to be an entertainer. I don't want to have songs and and choirs that entertain. We're not on display. We're not selling tickets here. We're worshiping Jesus. So we come here this morning not for entertainment, but for engagement. I, I want the Holy Spirit of God to engage me. I want the Holy Spirit of God to engage you. Sure, I I want to do my very best, but not for you. I want to do it for King Jesus. I want to preach the best sermon every Sunday I can preach from a heart that's been touched and, and changed and transformed as I've studied it. I want, I want to sing the, the greatest songs we can sing. I, I want the band to play as good as the band can play. I want the choir to sing as good as the choir can sing. I want the sound to be as great as the sound can be. But not for our glory. I don't want there to be any distractions because when the sound system pops, everybody takes their emphasis off of what's being said and they start thinking about who's doing that. You know, who, who made that mess? Our focus gets off. I don't want Satan to have a foothold in our worship to distract us and destroy us from looking to Jesus. I can tell you this, nothing we do here is for entertainment. You can find better entertainment somewhere else. But I pray to God you'll never find greater engagement with the Spirit of the living God than when we come together and we worship Jesus together. That's what it's all about. Uh, and I've got to say this, for it to, to really be engagement, If you want to engage the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I want to engage the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we've got to come with some expectancy. I expect Sunday mornings. I expect Sunday nights. I expect Wednesday nights. I expect the Holy Spirit of God to fill the environment that we're before at worshiping Him and make a difference. I also expect the Word of God to never return void because that's what it says. My Word goes out and it comes back. And it's got fruit. The word of God never goes out. The truth of God, the gospel never goes out without touching somebody's heart. So I come. I come with an expectancy of seeing God. I don't think any greater statement could have ever been made. Of all the statements been made in, in the years that I've been preaching, other than one, one, one person told me one time said, "Man, I came in this place today, and the spirit of God filled
4: this place. Good."
3: It wasn't about the preaching was the most excellent preaching they'd ever heard or the worst preaching they'd ever heard. It wasn't about the music was the best they'd ever heard or the worst they'd ever heard. It was about the Spirit of God filled this place. See, it's no longer about entertainment. It's about engagement. I I want to challenge you here. If we're going to engage the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you've got to have some expectancy in your life. The king that created this universe, the one that touched the nothing and made everything that we know, is capable beyond my imagination and yours, and I expect him to move. So I want to challenge us to get ready. See, I think a lot of times we come in here, and it's just, it's just by, by the rush we got here. It, it is like something else on our big to-do list to get done today. I've been doing this for a long time, and, and, and you that know me know this about me. Saturday nights, I don't get involved in too much. I mean, rarely. I think one Saturday night in the last 15 years, I've gone somewhere that got me home late. By 9 o'clock on Saturday night, I turn into an old man. I'm ready to be home. I don't care where I am. Home starts calling my heart. I'm headed that way. Get out of the way. I'm going home. Why? Because Sunday's coming. And I want to be with Jesus. I want to get my heart ready. I want to read over the text again. I want to pray through it. I want to, I want to really understand it. I want to embrace it. If God's got anything else He wants to say to me to say to you, I want to hear it. I want to know. I want to pray over the place. I want to, I want to pray over what He's going to do. I want, I want to be ready. Sunday morning, I get up. I get up earlier and I get up any other time. I get up on Sunday morning. I'm ready. I want to get in the word. I want to pray. I want to, I know it. I could have preached it on Wednesday. I'm going to work on it until I got to preach it. I'll work on it. If I had another week, I'd work on it some more. Another week, I'd work on it some more. I'm never finished working on a sermon, but I'm up Sunday morning, not to rewrite my sermon, but to be with Jesus because I expect something's going to happen. And I I come in here and I don't want you to, I want you to join me in that. It it means we got to set aside something in our life to expect it and see it happen. I'm telling you, I've learned a lot in life, but I have learned this that resonates continually in me. Where there's no investment, there's no return. If I don't invest in it, I'm not, it's not going to return me much. I rode by a bank one time, and a guy said, You see that bank over there? I said, Yeah. He said, I've got no interest in that bank. He said, But I've never made a deposit. He said, life of Christ is so much like that. If you never make an investment in it, they'll never be a de- they'll, if you never make a, a deposit, there'll never be a return on the investment. But I'll tell you this, Jesus will not disappoint you. When you give him your life, you invest in him, you yield your life completely surrendered to God, God works in your life. And we need to come together and say, you know what, God, this is worth worth getting excited about. Somebody is going to get changed Sunday. Somebody's life is going to be eternally transformed. They're going to go from death to life, and I want to get excited about it. I want to see it. I want to be there for that one. I pray over the baptismal waters. They get stirred up on a regular basis. We want to join together in that prayer. Not so we can go to a convention and get some numbers on a piece of paper and somebody say, hoorah. No, but so all of heaven can rejoice every day about what God is doing in the lives of people who are hearing the truth of the word. I mean, we got to get fired up. But it's going to take us having some expectancy in our life. So, if, if worship's going to happen, if we're going to see something happen, we've got to recognize worship is for God, worship is towards God, and ultimately, worship is celebrating what God's doing and done. So, this morning, church, I don't know what God's going to do in your heart with this message, but I know this worship is not a style. It's the lifestyle. It's you yielding your life to Jesus and, and living completely and fully for Him, not just one day, but every day. Don't, don't expect the worship leader, if you will, the, the song leader, to tune you up in 20 minutes when you've missed it all week. Come together and recognize it's not a style, it's a lifestyle. Come together and recognize I'm not initiating this. God's initiating this in my life. And come together and recognize it's not entertainment for me. It's engagement with him, and I came to yield my life to him today. Now I don't know how that falls in your heart and what you need to do with that, but I'll tell you this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let me tell you the good news is today you can turn from your sin and shame in the past of your life, and you can put it behind you. He loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. All you've got to do is call out to him. He says, all that call upon me shall be saved. So today you can be gloriously, miraculously saved and you can have new life today. You may be sitting here and saying, you know what, Lord, I've been coming to worship for a long time, but I've been trying to do it about me and not about you. So, Lord, today I empty all that I want to get ready for next week. And I want to come in here and worship you because you're worthy of worship and praise. So, Lord, I, I lay it before you. Help me get there. I don't know what else God would want to do in your life, but I know He's worth. He's worth us surrendering to and seeking in worship. Stand with me, and let's have an invitation here. And this is your time to respond to God's call on your life. What God's done. We're gonna sing a song. It's about not about the song. It's about you right now, spending time and responding to what God's saying in your heart. Father, we love you. We thank you. We're here for you, Lord, and thank you that you're here for us. God, I pray that you'll move in our hearts. Lead us to be all you've called us to be. Let us respond in the way you'd have us to right now. You're king. We submit to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You move as God leads. This is your time, church.
5: Yeah.
4: Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Sovereign King and Creator of all, Merciful Savior. We praise you, God, for who you are. We praise you for the opportunity, Lord, that you allow us to come in your presence, Lord, to give you the praise and honor and glory that you deserve. Dear Lord, we recognize as broken people we can come just as we are, not through our own strength, Lord, but through the covering of that precious blood that was spilled by Your Son. God, we thank You for the Word that You've given us. Please help us to lean on the power of Your Holy Spirit within us, Lord, to live worshipfully every day, every moment. You tell us that You want us to have life and have it to the full. And we know we can only commune with Your presence, Lord, through the covering of sin. Help us to empty ourselves of ourself, and to live full of that spirit. We thank you for the worshipful act of giving to God for the joyfulness that you make available to us in returning a portion of how you've greatly blessed us back to the uplifting of your kingdom and the spreading of your good news across this globe. We ask all this in the name of our precious Jesus' name. Amen.
6: again with Operation Christmas Child. We have had a blast this week with our packing party. We had about 45, 50 people in here yesterday packing all kinds of goodie boxes. We got about 350 packed yesterday. Plan on doing 200 more today. And then I've run out of goodies after that. So we have got Our boxes with our labels on them. This one has been paid for online. And um, we're going tomorrow, about 1.30, we're going to start loading up vehicles to take them to the river. We've never done this before. Everybody's always come to us. So we're going to have, hopefully, 1,600 shoe boxes that's going to be packed in different vehicles to take to the river. So if you want to join us about 1.30 on Monday afternoon, we would love it. I hope you enjoyed the little video that we're getting ready to show This is exactly what we do Operation Christmas Child. There's so many other ones that need to hear about Jesus, and they need to get a gift from you. So if you haven't done your box yet, you've got all week to bring it to me. I'll take it to the river for you if you don't have a chance to do that. So thank you again for participating, and just pray for your little box and pray for the little boy girl that's going to get your box.
7: Thank you. My name is Julene, and I grew up in one of the smallest islands among the thousands islands of the Philippines. I grew up in an area close to a dump site, I remember my dad losing his job. I often watch my younger siblings and skip school so my mom could go to the dump site and look for things that she can sell to buy us food. I remember my dad build, um, he built a house, we call it a house. He's the house that we live. It's made of cardboard. Because of our situation, I've never received a gift as a kid. They couldn't even afford my food for us, let alone gifts for birthdays and Christmas. So my sister started um, going to this church nearby. I remember I went after her one time, and the pastor in that church invited me to come help them. I happened to help out the people handed out shoebox to the kids in the neighborhood including my sister. Every time I hand shoebox to the kids there's a glimpse in my heart that I hope I can get one too. Little did I know towards the end a lady came up to me and gave me the extra shoe. I just felt so loved Everything on the shoebox were very special to me. So it was the first gift I've ever received, and it was around Christmas. In seeing new items, like notebooks and pencils, it was amazing. Now my life is different. I am forever grateful and blessed to be able to pack a shoebox with my husband and my girls. The feeling of giving back and knowing that this box represents a face of a child is amazing. Thank you for packing a shoebox.